and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking all things OKC Blue. And if you guys remember from last year, that's a lot of what I was talking about back in February and March. All 15 of those games I had game recaps for. A lot of good players came out of Grant Gibbs' system last year. I'm going to be talking about all 14 of them today and where they are heading leading into next season. Some of them might be returning, some of them not so much. And also, I'm going to be breaking down the Blues' upcoming schedule for the 2021-22 season, and I'm going to be giving you guys a special offer from my good friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. But first, starting things off, let's just talk about what we know with the Blue heading into next season, and that is their schedule. Earlier in the week, we got wind of it from the franchise of what their new schedule is going to look like heading into next season, and it's a lot different from what we saw last year. That was a 15-game season where it was all in a bubble. They had to keep things kind of restricted to make sure there wasn't a lot of health and safety issues. Worked out pretty well uh, for the blue side of things. But yeah, going into this one, they're going to be able to go back to their home turf, going to have a lot of home games, a lot of away games, but they're actually segmenting this season, which I actually think is really cool. So normally what you would find, and this is something that you saw actually last year, but not really, but it's just where it's a straight up regular season. And it's like the 82 game seasons you see in the NBA, not a lot of action, you know, for some people, Those games, you know, 40, game number 40, game number 53, just those random ones in between, they might not have much value. You don't really care until those final five, six games where there are actually playoff implications. And maybe the G League picked up on this because they're adding some new ideas to the table, and I am happy they are doing so. So what is going to happen this year? There's going to be two different portions of the year. There's going to be a showcase cup. That is going to start the season off. The first 14 games of the year are going to be part of that. And how they do it is they're going to segment these teams, 30 teams. You have 29 franchises plus the G League Ignite. Cut it into four, however you want to divvy that up. Um, I'll, I'll leave that up to them. They never posted that. But yeah, there's going to be those games. 12 out of the 14 games are going to be against regional opponents. And then from that... You're going to see the top team from each of those four regions. They're going to be added into a bracket. Same goes for the four best teams who missed the cut there. So there's going to be a total of eight teams competing for this showcase cup by the end of game number 14. And for the other franchises who miss out, they're still going to have an appearance at the showcase cup. But it's kind of like what you saw in the summer league this season where they have that like one extra game. And there's nothing really attached to it. So everyone's going to be able to participate in the actual tournament setting, but not everyone has the opportunity to actually win it, if that makes sense. So the actual tournament's going to take place from December 19th till December the 22nd. Everyone is going to play, but that's just how it starts out. And for the blue, they're going to go into this Showcase Cup with their debut, of course. They're going to start things out against the Salt Lake City Stars on November 7th. And if you guys monitored last season with the OKC Blue, they actually played the Stars to open things. And I don't know what the rosters are going to look like. I think Yogi Ferrell was on Salt Lake's um, roster then. I think he's with the Clippers now. But everything is going to be shaken up. They're going to start things just as they did last year, though. And then they're going to play them again 
on November 9th. So they're going to have a lot of those like baseball sets. You see that in the debut games. There's going to be 10 total baseball games, five home, five road. And then there's going to be one of those, which is a home baseball set. It's actually pretty interesting because they're going to play against the Texas Legends in Frisco on January 17th. And then on January 19th and on the 21st, they're going to end up playing in Oklahoma City. So that'll be cool. I think the big games that people want to mark on their calendar uh, are going to be in the early portions of December, particularly December 3rd and December 5th, because that is when the G League Ignite come to town. And when you look at the actual um, schedule for the blue, it says that these are going to be games that are away for the blue, but I've actually heard conflicting reports on where the game will be held. I know the G League Ignite, they didn't really have a home base last season because they really didn't need to. They're in Walnut Creek, California, so if games are being held, I would assume that would be the location. However, as I've said, I've actually heard that it might be home, so I'll keep you guys updated on that. Those are the two big ones, though, because the G League Ignite, you know, they had products in Jalen Green and Jonathan Kuminga last season. On top of that, Isaiah Todd and Deshaun Nix, they were right there couple other guys that came out of that system as well. I know Dante Hall, he wasn't a draft prospect, but he was damn good prior to joining that team. So they're going to be stacked to the brim. I know a lot of five-star talent is heading over there. I heard Amani Bates might be taking that route, even though he can't really be in next year's draft class. A lot of wacky stuff, but yeah, it looks like it's a legitimate option. And for anyone, whether you care about the blue or, you know, you just want to watch basketball, the G League Ignite, that is going to be probably the best G League team to watch from a non-biased perspective because you're going to see a lot of young guys. And just as Jalen Green was showing flashes with the Ignite, you're going to see that with some of these other five stars. And for a team like the Thunder where, you know, they're looking to get ping pong balls, they're looking to have the top options, you want to take a good hard look at this G League Ignite roster. So if you want to see it in person, if it is an OKC, those are going to be your two dates, December 3rd and December 5th. One interesting part about this season, they have actually changed locations, and they've done this a couple times now. They used to be back in Tulsa for the 66ers. Those were the best games of all time. I'm telling you right now, best deals ever. They had like bouncy houses. You could get player signings. They moved to the Cox Convention Center, though in Oklahoma City, and that's like half a mile away from the, um, the Paycom Center. You can just walk from here to there. It's really no big deal, but they actually leased that out, and contracts over. They decided to, you know, be done with it, and the actual Cox Convention Center was contracted and purchased by Prairie Surf Studios. It's also the name of the building now. Um, so yeah, they have that the blue had to pack their bags and they're actually going to be going to the paycom center for their games which that's going to be the only team in the g league where there's going to be you know g league games and then right after an nba game no one else has to deal with that they all have their own separate uh venues but not with the blue and that makes for some really cool ticket packages maybe with the Thunder, I don't know how they're doing season ticket-wise, single ticket-wise. A lot of good games. I'd show up to all of them if I could, of course. But maybe you could see some G League packages alongside some NBA packages. I don't know how you tiptoe some rules there. I don't know if it's ever even been a real ticket before. Just do the nature of the G League and the NBA. But 
it could happen and there's 15 different times that could occur because there's going to be games where the blue play in the morning or the early um, afternoon and then you got to see the evening game with the thunder so i'd be pumped if they you know they had those package deals and i would strongly recommend going to those because you know the blue they were so fun to watch last season you know in comparison to who i liked watching more it's actually a lot harder for me to say because there was so much uh just craziness on that blue lineup we'll see how they look now but yeah that's just kind of my opinion but yeah you're gonna have those games you're gonna have the baseball sets you're gonna have the showcase cup as for the actual regular season, you're still going to get that action as well. It's a 36-game regular season, and then the top six teams are going to advance into the G League playoffs. So that will be cool. I really like how they're doing it, though, because they're keeping things pretty fresh. And I don't know if they called it the Showcase Cup in years prior. It might have been like the Winter Showcase. But I know the Blue, they played in that. Those games are actually do get national attention whether it's like an espn 2 or whatever i distinctly remember watching this game nationally and i think the blue got to play deontay burton was going off in there maybe lou dort was in that timeline as well but yeah that is the best outlet to kind of see the blue if you do not have a subscription service like espn plus or something because that's where they streamed all 15 of the games last year but that's just kind of the roundup you know, it's going to be hard to tell what you see from the team because it's kind of the infancy stages in terms of uh, telling together like a roster. We can't really tell. They have like open tryouts. I know uh, some of these other G League teams have been doing so in the last week. So probably that'll be the same deal with the OKC Blue. A roster announcement should be made in the next few weeks. What we do know though, Aaron Wiggins and... Paul Watson Jr. I almost said Josh Hall. Nope, it's Paul Watson Jr. now. They're on two-way deals. They can play 50 NBA games. They can be with the team as long as they want. But I feel like you kind of want to do a balancing act on where they're at. Same goes with Vit Krejci too. Might see something like Ty Drome or Alexei Pokashevsky where he starts out there kind of as a rehab process, get his feet wet. And then you start looking into him potentially playing at the next level but that's the breakdown gonna have that 14 game showcase cup and then the 36 games of regular season action but before i get into talking about all 14 of the okc blue members from last season i want to tell you guys a little bit about what is going on at my good friends at DraftKings sportsbook Week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up to this deal because you do not want to miss out. Here's what you need to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook 
for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, or if you're in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. But guys, this is kind of what I've been wanting to tell you guys for a while. OKC Blue, it's kind of been in the back of my pocket since like February and March. The thrill I got from that team last year, really no comparison uh, from what we've seen Thunder-wise for a while with me, and I don't know what it was. Maybe it was a change of scenery. I think it was just due to the fun you got out of this roster, and I've been trying to break things down. I've tried to keep up with what has been going on with all the guys on the blue roster, but it's kind of been hard because there's 14 different players. You don't really see a lot of news come out during the summer on some of these guys because they're unrestricted free agents, but obviously, if you're like a bench guy in the G League, chances are you're looking for a summer league bid or you're looking for an overseas contract. So for some guys, it takes a while for deals to actually formulate. And I think we've kind of gotten to a point now where I can kind of give some calls on what I've seen with some of these players and who might actually be returning. And for you all who have not really kept tabs with OKC Blue, it's totally understandable. It has been like six, seven months since they've really been competing, but they started out as one of the hottest teams in the G League. Seven and one, tied for the best record in the league. No one could stop them. Moses Brown was dunking on people. He was just throwing the ball up against the backboard, just having fun out there. Really just street ball. Rob Edwards was shooting threes. You had Xavier Simpson, Poku doing Poku things, whatever that might be. Whatever you're imagining, that's what he was doing. I guess that's the best way to put it, but just so many different moving parts, and they work so well together, but it just kind of crumbled late. They finished the year 1-7, and seven, and it was kind of ridiculous because it wasn't like their production just hit a wall. They were still out there competing. They were just losing games by like single digits all the time, and by the end of the year, there was like one last rally cry for a win. They needed one singular win to punch a ticket into the G League playoffs. They did not do so. And somehow, I think it was the Vipers, Houston's affiliate, they had no business being in the G League playoffs. Like three games away from, you know, the actual regular season ending, they were on like the outlist. They were looking to get out of the playoffs. They shouldn't have even had a chance to get a playoff berth, but the Thunder kept losing. They were winning a little bit, but there was just some insane tiebreakers that had to happen. Like, 10 different strings of games had to go against the Thunder's favor or the Blues' favor and didn't even involve them for most of them. And yeah, it resulted in them being ousted. You saw them go in. I think the G League Ignite might have been in there as well. They lost in the first round if that was the case. And to end it out, I think the Lakeland Magic got things. I know Daikite from the Bucks. he ended up winning... Uh, with Virginia in college, he had a G League championship and he won with the Bucks. So he's like a year removed from college. One of the most successful guys to do it in the NBA. So it's kind of crazy how that works. But just breaking down the numbers on this blue team, they ranked third in total points at 115.9 rebounding. No one was even close to them. They averaged 57.4 a game. When the Thunder had 40 rebounds in some games, it was a major accomplishment. And that's just kind of a testament to how good the Blue were. Not necessarily the Thunder not being able to rebound because they just didn't have bigs. 
Complete opposite story with the blue. They were filled to the brim with front court players, so they could get rebounds, and a lot of them came on the offensive glass. Had 15.7 offensive rebounds per game, and they were even dishing it out a bit. Third in assists at 27.2, among other accolades for them. I really wanted to see them back. I thought maybe we'd see a lot of returning faces in Summer League. That was not the case. And as I found out, it looks like a lot of guys have actually split away from the franchise. So we're going to go down the list on every single one of these guys. And if I think they're going to be back in an OKC blue uniform. And we're going to start things out from the top. The guys that the Thunder had originally kind of sent them down, recalled them. Alexei Pokashevsky is the first guy here, and he averaged 7.9 points a game, 7.3 rebounds, and 4 assists. Had a decent amount of turnovers, I think it was like in a 3.6 range. Don't have an on me, but it was pretty close. The assist to turnover ratio was not that glamorous for him, but he had a lot of cool plays. And he started out going into the G League kind of at this all-time low when it came to confidence, and that's just kind of one of those sayings, like, I'm not in the mind of Poku, but he just wasn't making shots, and there was not a lot of support going his way because he was not making shots. The G League gave him kind of the opportunity to do whatever he wanted. I think it's the best part of his career, and that's why it jump-started to where people are seriously considering him to be one of the future guys uh, with the franchise because he played for the blue the numbers were not scary like he wasn't dropping 20 points however the confidence of him taking those 30 foot step backs him trying to drive in at will throwing behind the back passes no look alley-oops it gave him the ability to play the same way at the NBA level rather seamlessly. He averaged 11.1 points, 5.4 rebounds, and 2.7 assists post-All-Star break. I think briefly, he might have been on the NBA.com rookie ladder. A lot of people started uh, kind of hyping up Poku by the end. I forgot if it was The Athletic or another source, but there's been like full-on breakdown evaluations on Poku because of what he did last season. I think in large part, it does have to do with how Grant Gibbs just gave him the ability to open up his wings. And he did so major stuff with him. And it was a complete success story. That's the reason he was good at the NBA, you know, in the NBA level, because he was kind of lost a little bit. Uh, he has his footing in the NBA now, though. And for him... G League, it's not part of the equation. The only thing on his mind should be if he's starting, because that's a legit talking point. Could he start over Darius Baisley? I think Baisley's kind of been more flaky. Uh, he's kind of on the downward spiral, whereas Poku, I mean, he just boosted up his stock like crazy to end the season. So there's going to be a battle at the Thunder level. I don't think we're going to see him again in the G League, unless there's some crazy crazy patch like he had last year I don't think he'd even get moved down uh, again if that was the case he might just try to work through it seemed like his summer was kind of packed he was in Serbia he was all over the place he was not playing in Vegas I think he has a strict kind of schedule he needs to tend to that schedule has everything to do about the OKC Thunder sadly has nothing to do with the blue and I think the same can be said with Ty Jerome as well he averaged 12.1 points, 2.6 rebounds, and 3.2 assists with the blue last year. And he came in just like Poku, 
You know, Poku is more of a confidence thing. I think it's also just him being so young. Ty Jerome was 23 at this time, and he was kind of already mature. Like, he entered the league with the uh, Suns at 22 or 23 years old, and he didn't really play a lot. Like, he was bouncing in between the G League and the NBA. He got traded to the Thunder already injured. There was, like, an ankle injury. Might have been a leg sprain. But it just stuck around. He didn't participate in training camp, didn't play in preseason, kept his job kind of controversially over Frank Jackson, and then he joined the blue for the G League bubble. And he was pretty solid there. I think, you know, there was a lot of competition at that guard spot, and I wasn't all sold on him originally. And I'll go into why later. I think there was a guard who in stints actually outshined him, but he found a pretty good role in the system by the end of things to where I would put him on a closing lineup because he was shooting it well. He wasn't super fast when it came to attacking the basket, but it really didn't matter when all you needed to do was throw an entry to Yurt 7 or Moses Brown. He could do that. And I think that's why, you know, he was so solid when he joined the Thunder. It was just a lot of consistency, kind of had to use all the different parts of his game and he did it with the thunder he averaged 10.7 points 2.8 rebounds and 3.6 assists shot 42.3 percent from distance as well so not a lot of threes in the g league with him there were some of those long balls at the end i would have never guessed in a million years though we would have saw you know the same version of ty jerome in uh i guess the chesapeake energy arena back then um, from what we saw in Orlando, but that's a good thing. And, you know, at 24, we'll see where Jerome stacks up in the rotation. Definitely has the skills, though, to get 20-plus minutes um, next year, though. And then going beyond Poku and Ty, who were actually on the 15-man roster, you go into the people who joined as two-way contracts. And Moses Brown is the first one. This was the Shaquille O'Neal of the G League. This was whatever you want to call it, the greats. If you're looking at Hall of Fame centers, dumb them down to the G League level, it's kind of what Moses Brown was doing. And I gave the Shaq reasoning because Shaq, I guess it's a bit different because he could just use his frame, his like giant muscles, just bully ball you with Brown. He's kind of a lanky guy. And maybe strength-wise, he's not going to overpower somebody. But it doesn't matter. The size just made him a beast. And if he didn't make it on the first shot, he'd just grab it again, take it again, over and over again, just playing pop a shot. He was perfect. Averaged 18.5 points, 13.9 rebounds, and 1.7 blocks. Got him G League all-first-team honors and all-defensive honors. And I seriously think... He was in the top three for MVP voting after the second week of G League because he got the uh, player of the week for week two. I know first week was Paul Reed. I think he was actually the MVP uh, and they were just neck and neck. And I think they even faced off against each other in one of the regular season games. Moses Brown was right there with them the entire way. So he was a monster. You know, my biased perspective would say, hey, Let's give him MVP, but then again, like they lost seven out of their last eight and missed the playoffs when it shouldn't have even been a possibility. So I don't know. But the point is, you know, no one could really stop Moses Brown. And it was because he's seven foot two. I get it. 
at the NBA level, though, you know, those critics who are saying eh, his play is only because his height, they kind of got shut up. And there's still this consensus that Moses Brown cannot play at the NBA level. He was only good with the Thunder because he was tall, because they were giving him minutes. You put him on a playoff team, he's going to be useless. I don't know about that. I think he could hang around on a bench for sure, just as an energy guy. But he got to play as a starter with the Thunder. Averaged 8.6 points and 8.9 rebounds across 43 games. And he was playing a little above 21 minutes. So that kind of efficiency is ridiculous. Um, But then some of the games were also off the charts. In one of his first games, I think it was the fourth game back from the bubble, he had 20 points and 16 rebounds. And then a couple games later, played against the Boston Celtics. This was the one where he's making records with Shaquille O'Neal. If he played this game the same way he did in the first half, he would have been probably in a stack column of his own. But he had 21 points and 23 rebounds against the Celtics. And I think at half, you know, he was almost at a 20-20 already. And I don't know what happened. I missed part of that one. Man, I wish I was there live. That would have been a fun, fun game. Really good game from him to close the season out, though. Had 24 points, 18 rebounds, and 7 blocks. So he was just stuffing the stats to the brim. And he was impressive. You know, if he hung around for the Thunders uh, 15-man roster this year, I would have been ecstatic. I really enjoyed watching him play. I think since he's so young, it's fine if he's, you know, maybe not the best archetype you'd want moving on into the future. But yeah, we had Moses Brown. He obviously got upgraded to a four-year deal where it's like non-guaranteed after a lot of these seasons. They actually offloaded him though in that Kemba Walker deal. So it was Kemba plus Brown in order to get, uh, or actually scratch that, it was Horford plus Brown. You got the two big guys and you got Kemba in that 16th pick back in return. And then it looks like Moses Brown would be with the Celtics. You saw a lot of tweets, you know, hyping up Moses Brown to be this all-star caliber guy. And he's a young player, so he still has potential, but people were setting the bar high for him. And then he just got traded again. He got used as just almost a filler to conduct a Josh Richardson deal. So Richardson went from Dallas to Boston. Moses Brown got moved to the Dallas Mavericks. So we'll see how things work out with him. When you look at the Mavs rotation, like Dwight Powell, I know he came off like an ACL injury, so he might not be as athletic as he used to be. Maybe Kleba could be at the five. You have Chris Stops already there. So hopefully he can carve out a role. I really enjoyed his play, and I'm sure you guys did as well but he's not going to be back same goes for josh hall most likely he really didn't play in the g league i'll say the stats anyways but it doesn't matter i mean he averaged two points no rebounds and one assist played one game 15 minutes did not look all that impressive and he was out of there this was like the middle of the regular season as well And I think he was dealing with injuries the entire time. So he didn't get a play there. Didn't play a lot until the back end of the Thunder's regular season. And it was still just up and downs where he didn't really prove himself to be worth a 15-man contract. But he did, you know, kind of show potential because he's 6'9 and he was flying like crazy. And we saw the first glimpse 
in the regular season closer, 25 points and 11 rebounds against the Clippers. But then that was it for him. And over the offseason, the Thunder were still interested. They gave him a $1.5 million qualifying offer, and they didn't give that out to everybody. Tony did not get one. Svi did not get one. Jalen Horde did not get one. They were pretty frugal with their money, but they wanted to give some to Josh Hall. And they got him back on a two-way deal just like two weeks ago. Like middle of August, they got him. And then they decided that they did not want him anymore. And they opted to waive Josh Hall from that two-way deal. Paul Watson Jr. slips in as the new two-way guy. And Josh Hall is an unrestricted free agent. So unlike free agency where you know, he was in the market. He was restricted because of the qualifying offer. It's gone now. And I've actually seen from his social media accounts that there are multiple different teams that are interested. And originally these were just reports coming out of guys like Ryland Stiles, who is pretty credible. Um, but yeah, we actually got it from Josh Hall in these uh, last couple of days. So I think it said he's looking for a new team. I would think he'd probably be looking for a two-way contract. I don't know if just a standard G League would cut it for him. I would be pretty astonished if he could join the Thunder again and be okay with it uh, in a relegated role with the Blue. It's possible. I would not chalk him up as a member next year, though. I think he is most likely gone. And Jalen Horde might be much the same. We had him on an Exhibit 10 deal. That's what they were looking to give Josh Hall that's not a 100% guarantee though um but yeah Horde got on in exhibit 10 that's where you come in kind of as like a premium signing you dodge the draft you get um the team gets first dibs on you for the G League and yeah that's about it but he joined coming off a season with the Texas Legends same went with Moses Brown they were teammates uh and yeah everything worked out for him I thought because he didn't have a lot of opportunities on the court, but he made them count. He joined in behind Alexei Pogashevsky. You had Moses Brown. Yurt 7 was a surprise, and he kind of got above him on the chart. Obviously, they're not the same positions, but the minutes were just kind of dwindling down for him. But whenever Poku went down or whenever Brown was out, he would take those minutes and he would beast. He was just clashing right into everybody, looking to get to the foul line. At the end of the year... He posted averages of 9.7 points, 4.8 rebounds, and 2 blocks a game. So he was all over the place on both sides of the ball. And the Thunder, they recognized that. They decided to give him a two-way contract whenever Brown got upgraded. And he was solid. Averaged 6.1 points, 3.4 rebounds, and 1.3 assists. There was that patch where... He was actually getting premium time on like the uh, Thunder live shows. So that's a cool tidbit from him. We got to see Jalen Horde with the Thunder Summer League team. He wasn't starring. He was still kind of that bench guy or like glue guy who makes everything work. Um, I don't think they're going to sign him though because they gave the two way to Josh. I thought it was between him or Josh Hall for that. And then they let go of Josh to get Paul Watson. So there's been two chances where, you know, the Thunder could have second-guessed themselves and said, hey, let's go ahead and get Jalen Horde back. But they did not choose to do it. He's a 22-year-old now. I would think someone would give him a two-way deal. He's definitely worth one, if not the 
European leagues have to be calling his name because he could be pretty damn effective uh, in like a Euro League system or something like that. But moving beyond Jalen Horde, we go to the guys that are still on Exhibit 10s but did not get upgraded, did not ever play for the Oklahoma City Thunder, but we're still pretty damn good. And you have to start out with Omer Yurt 7. Averaged 15.2 points, 9.3 rebounds, and 1.4 blocks. And on the surface, even for a starter, that is insane. He was playing off the bench here. And the one time he got a play in the starting unit, or might have been two, but one of those games, he dropped like a 30-piece, and that was more than Moses Brown did the entire season. So he just became like the guy and he was kind of that wingman where he was hiding in the shadows just helping out Moses Brown he turned into the successor once Moses Brown left and I think everyone watching the blue wanted him to be on the thunder did not happen for him is what it is but you saw a lot uh, of Moses Brown's game actually in yurt sevens and that comes with an asterisk because moses brown did it with his athleticism yurt seven he can do a driving dunk but it's not that pretty like yeah it's part of his arsenal but you're not going to see it that much the big thing with him is the post game that's how he started some post tooks some post fades just backing it in because he's seven feet tall looked good there but then he branched out to the mid-range and then the three and things got scary he finished the regular season shooting seven of 12 from three that's 58 percent by the way and yeah he just asserted himself at all three levels was a really good guy on the high ball screens because he could do damage and he kind of was like the off-brand al horford for a bit and i wanted the thunder to keep him they did not do that and right after g league play ended he started working out in miami and just coincidentally i don't know if there's much to this story but he ended up signing a multi-year deal with the heat in may absolute steal by them it was originally like a one year like the charlie brown deal where you're there but then not really because you have all like two regular season games and then it's non-guaranteed for next year he dodged that because he went off in the California Classic, had like 26 points a game for averages or something wild. They had to give him another deal. So he's on the 15-man roster, and a lot of people are pumped up to see him, including myself. He deserved time in the NBA. He did not get it from the Thunder, and you know what? That's fine. Sometimes you just got to root for guys anyways. I wanted to see him uh, in white and blue, of course, but hey. You know, Miami's not a bad landing spot. They are traditionally pretty good when it comes to um, making guys from the G League just blossom. Had Duncan Robinson, had Kendrick Nunn, keep going down the list, like Gabe Benson even. Why not add Omer Yurt 7 to that list? I definitely think he could be something off the bench for them. Another guy who I think could have done something in the NBA but never got the opportunity is my darling, rob edwards and i know clemente has tweeted before he does stuff for bricktown breakdown he also does stuff for um the old man in three i think he's the intern now congrats to him but yeah he um he was talking about it a lot of people kind of have mentioned it to me but i have just been on the bandwagon for rob edwards since february because he could shoot from everywhere and he averaged 12.5 points, 3.1 rebounds, and 3.4 assists off the bench for the Blue. And 
he was a microwave. Shot 44% from distance. I think if you guys watch the Vegas games, you know good and well who Rob Edwards is. Not just as a person, but as a player. He's 6'3", maybe 6'4". Man, he can shoot the ball like crazy though, and he doesn't have to play at the point guard spot. He will light you up. He'll drop 20 points in 10 minutes, and then he'll win you some basketball games. He did that, and I think a lot of people are looking at him now. The spotlight is on him as to what he's going to do, because unlike a lot of these guys, he actually played for the Thunder Summer League, and he did not get an offer. No two-way deal. Which, when you take into account, Paul Watson got the deal. He's like 26 or 27 years old. Rob's 24. It could have made sense to pick him up. I think the deal with him, if he's going to play for the Thunder or the Blue, it's coming via an Exhibit 10 contract. And he's still kept in touch with some of the guys from the Thunder organization. Lou Dort in particular. But you have to keep in mind, you know, with or without the little blue Thunder connection, they're still friends. Like, they played at ASU for a season. So, yeah, they've been working out. I don't know if you want to put much stock into stories like that. But I really hope he's back. I mean, if he does return, I would assume he's going to carry a large weight with the, the offense. Now, Wiggins is there. You have Paul Watson Jr. They're both wings. But 50 games of NBA time... You could just run them as another guy on the Thunder team. Like, it wouldn't be an issue. And then Rob's just controlling the gig uh, for the G League side. And hey, if Wiggins or Paul Watson play themselves into a standard contract, you could slip in Rob Edwards and you can continue the fun there. I would think there's a lot of suitors going his way, though, both G League-wise and overseas. If there was a two-way offer, I feel like he would have taken it by now. I don't think he's going to get a chance for a 15-man spot, but I could totally see him coming in initially as like the 17th or 18th guy on a training camp roster and just finding his way on. Just like a Christian Wood maybe when he had to beat out Joe Johnson on the Pistons, I could see a success story coming out of Rob Edwards because he's just like Frank Jackson or Jordan Clarkson where he can just shoot, 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 and he can take it over in ISO situations, and you're going to need guys like that. So best of luck to him. Hopefully he does return. That's like the big guy you want to keep your eye on uh, for people who have not already signed on. Chason Randall is another person who came out of the Blues system. He averaged 20 points, 3.1 rebounds, and 3.4 assists. Have to think about this, though. He only played two games, and it's because the team that he joined, they just had a roster crisis. The Orlando Magic, back then in February, they didn't have Fultz. Cole Anthony was hurt. They needed a point guard, and Frank Mason was not doing it for them. So they got rid of Frank Mason. They brought on Chason Randall for the two-way deal, and he was just a solid bench presence. He's been around for a while, overseas in particular. He's 28 years old played with the Warriors, played with us, moved up for an actual long-term stint, 41 games, averaged 6.5 points, 2 rebounds, and 1.8 assists. So you could still see him kind of as like a bench guy who hangs around on a roster. Just has not happened to this point though. So he did not have a qualifying offer extended by the Magic. Unrestricted free agent to this point. Not any real buzz going his way. 
I would think that he might return overseas. Now, he could return to the G League route, but let's just be real here. I mean, the money is over there. He is a really just headstrong point guard. He knows what he's doing. I think overseas, he would fit perfectly with just any team you want to imagine. So I would think that's the move. I think he's done with the OKC blue though. And Xavier Simpson is kind of a wild card because I actually thought he might come back. All the competition from last year, Ty Jerome and such, they're gone. But he didn't play for the Thunder's Summer League. He averaged 9.8 points, 4.3 rebounds, and 6.1 assists last year. That was a team high, by the way. And this was the guy who I actually thought outperformed Ty Jerome to start the year out. I mean, he was perfect for Grant Gibbs' system. He could play the high ball screens really well, and it wasn't like he was a great shooter or anything, so you could kind of get by with a sag off, but if Yurt Seven's there or Moses Brown's there, and then they're churning over to the basket, you could just throw right over the top of the other guy. That's an easy assist, or you could work with a floater or just a straight-up layup. His inside game is kind of strong. He did work a bit from the perimeter, but it didn't matter. He just needed to be a good passer, and he was that for the franchise. Played a lot for the Michigan Wolverines, was the first-round pick for the blue, and I think he lived up to the title, did an excellent job, and that was about it. I mean, I thought he'd be with the team again. Nope. He ended up joining the LA Lakers Summer League team, one with like Mac McClung, had a lot of time on Twitter, but he didn't really play. He got to play four games, but he averaged 2.5 points and 2.5 assists in 13.1 minutes. Those are like Oscar, De, or actually not even Oscar De Silva. Those are like Emmett Williams minutes when you put it into comparison. Like Emmett did not really get a chance. He balled out in the last game though, and he might be on the blue roster next year. But yeah, Simpson wasn't playing his normal role. And I don't know what's next for him. I would bring him back if I was controlling the blue. But whenever you see someone go to a different summer league, it probably means that they are wanting a change of scenery. So best of luck. I think from an agent perspective, when you do these G League contracts, you might look at the actual rotation at the next level. Xavier Simpson and really any guard, I think sadly could not tap into the Thunder's mainstream roster because there's already nine or 10 guards there. But you never know, man. Uh, I guess with the Lakers, they might not be as packed. And I think if he doesn't join the Lakers, if he wants to go overseas, he's going to fit right in because he's already a pro. I think now he's 23 or 24 because he is a bit on the older side because uh, he did play a lot for the Wolverines, but it is what it is. So best of luck to him. He was a really exciting guy to watch. And yeah, uh, it sucks that he didn't get a play a lot for the Lakers. I think his new home should probably provide an uptick in minutes from that though. Next guy I want to talk about is another veteran. And this is Antonius Cleveland. If you didn't watch the blue, you might actually know this name. And it's like, how do I know this? It's because on the old 2Ks, he was the lowest overall. I forgot which one it was. It was like 14 or 15. Hell, maybe 16 or 17. But he was on the Cavs for that year. He was like a 64 or 65. And in 2K standards, that is god-awful. You probably still have a 75-3, though. Like, you got to juice it somewhere. Anyways, I mean, he didn't play like a bum at all for the blue. 
dropped 15.1 points, 5.5 rebounds, and 3.1 assists. And early on in the year, he was the number one guy on the team. Thought Poku would be the guy? Nope. Not even the best forward to kick things out. Antonius was just canning every single three. Anything he looked at was going in, it felt like. And then even inside, he didn't see a lot until the end of the season, but he wanted to absorb contact and get right around the basket. So he played it perfectly, I think. 27 years old. Last year was a bit odd because, you know, COVID overseas would have been like a difficult jump or hoop to go through. So he just wanted to take another shot in the G League. And even though he's 27 and even though he hasn't played a lot in the NBA, he stayed in America the entire time. So he's just been a journeyman between affiliates to two-way contracts to exhibit 10s to 10 days. Like he's been around the block in NBA circles. He's decided to break that though. And he's going to go to Australia. He's going to play with the Illawarra Hawks. Uh, in the NBL and that's where LaMelo played two seasons ago I tried finding NBA guys that I, I could bring up there's not a lot on the roster anymore Cameron Bearstow though he played for the Bulls for like a season I don't remember him being good at all but I remember him on the Bulls he's on that team I think he's Australian so you know it works out for him so Antonius I would think he's going to come in, be a starter, and make an impact because he's one of those small forward power forwards where he's super offensive oriented and he's not just limited to being like a corner center. He can actually take the basketball and drive in himself. So he was very solid and that was kind of a veteran presence I think the team needed. So he uplifted the guys in his position for sure. I think he'll do the same in the NBL. After that though, one of the other guys who I just fell in love with by the end, Ryan Woolridge. He didn't play a lot to start things. He was actually someone who got added via open tryout. And I think we're going to have a lot of those for the blue um, as they're trying to fill things. But yeah, you can find some real gems there. Ryan was one of them. He played for Gonzaga prior to that, though. Played for North Texas as well. But yeah, I mean, he was great. Had to deal with the same thing as Simpson. Actually, Simpson was above Ryan Woolridge. So it was Ty, it was Xavier, then it was Ryan. But even then, like Rob Edwards was snatching some minutes. It was nasty for him. But I think he climbed above Melvin Frazier Jr. in the depth chart. Got a play at the back end. And he ended up averaging 6.6 .6 points, 4.1 rebounds, and 4 assists at the end so he had those splits where it's like a little bit of everything there and he was a beast he was the second part to rob edwards offense a lot of pull-up threes came from rob edwards last year but i'd probably bet like 30 40 percent of them came off of an outlet pass from ryan rollridge he'd get the ball as soon as fast break starts he's eyeing that wing he's looking to see where rob is and oftentimes other team, they were not set up defensively and just led to wide open jumpers. So he's a good passer. Big thing though that I didn't even know about him until you started seeing it in game. He is a very good dunker. He had the best posterizer, I think, on the team last season. Just skying up out of nowhere for a dunk. And even without the dunks, like his layups are pretty refined. Really good finisher around the basket, and I love his passing game. And this is someone that I think on a G League team 
should deserve some starting caliber minutes. He's not going to go that route though. And he decided to join the OKC Thunder in Vegas, didn't play that much. That might have been because of his future plans though. And it was a bit odd because he joined the Thunder roster. We found out about this. But before that, he actually signed a deal overseas with Arrakis of the Greek Basketball League. So maybe he just wanted to get his feet a bit wet, but not like overdo it. And maybe for Grant Gibbs, like he knew he was gone, just kind of a gesture out the door, like, yeah, I'll give you 15 minutes against the San Antonio Spurs. Who cares? Um, but yeah, he's out. Good call by him, I think. I think Arrakis will give him some serious minutes. And the Greek Basketball League is no joke. He only played 20.1 minutes a game with the blue, so he might play more with the Rackless. And if that's the case, I'm going to be very excited because he will have some pretty good film whenever he is done with that season. Moving beyond Ryan Woolridge, you know, that was a darling that kind of developed. Same goes with Rob Edwards. The person that I put all my eggs into to start the blue season last year was actually Melvin Frazier Jr., and they decided to pick him up on an Exhibit 10. It was one of those deals where like, they waived Cleveland, got Frazier on the legit lineup for like 48 hours, and then cut him again to get his G League rights. And I thought he'd be a beast. Before joining the Blue, he was with Lakelands, and he was with the Magic. I've mentioned it. I think I've had full-on episodes about Melvin Frazier Jr. Um, you're going to have to look back, like way back, <laughs> for those. But yeah, like his story is super cool out of Tulane. He kind of beasted, you know, had to do a little bit of everything to hear his name called. Pick right after Mitchell Robinson, I think. And then the Magic just never gave him a serious chance. You got guys like Jonathan Simmons on contracts, brought in Wes Iwundu. No breathing room for Frazier. And they just kept him on the G League. If you're picking someone in the early second round, you better play them at the NBA level. Especially when they're not even a freshman. Like, he was a junior when he left Tulane. So it didn't make sense. But when he joined the Thunder, I was stoked about it. I thought he was going to come in, be the star. I mean, he put up 18.1 points, 6.6 rebounds, and 2.4 assists. For reference, um, with the Magic, which is even more of a reason why. It's like, why did he never touch the NBA court? But he came to the blue. I thought he'd have this major story where he'd play himself into a legit contract. It just did not happen. I mean, his overall stats putting up 6.8 points, 3.4 rebounds, and 1.8 assists. Those aren't great, like bench or not. He started off in the bench, and I think... Like I said, with Ryan Woolridge, he might have actually jumped him on the depth charts. But yeah, I mean, his 3 and D play is something I think Presti is just infatuated by. I think a lot of GMs would like that style. I don't know if it was just the system that damaged Melvin Frazier Jr., but he just looked a little out of place, and he didn't look anything like what I saw from Lakelands, because the version I saw from Lakelands would have put him on an NBA roster. I really thought... He had it in him, uh, and I think he still does. I think under the right circumstances, he could be utilized as a bench piece, and it looks like the Washington Wizards was going to be his initial route to doing so because he joined them for the summer league, and I was happy for the guy. You know, I feel like since he didn't play enough and he was kind of just out of it, 
by the end of the blue season. It just wouldn't have made sense for him to return, even though I love watching him play. Wizards could have given him the opportunity, but it was just the worst little patch of luck for him because there was health and safety protocols on the Wizards team. Players missed games. I know Isaiah Todd missed the opener. Kyrie Walker, like the hoop mixtape legend from what seems like 10 years ago, he didn't get a play. Neither did Melvin Frazier Jr. So not great. I feel like he'll probably be attending mini camps. If he doesn't join for a G League, I would think he'd go overseas. I think he's probably done with the Oklahoma City Blue though. After that, you go to another vet in Vincent Edwards, Purdue Boilermaker, by the way. He averaged 7.4 points, 2.6 rebounds, and 0.8 assists last year. And his history is weird because he actually played for the Blue back in 2019, got traded away, and then got traded back. I think it was like Tyler Cook was in that deal too. And Tyler Cook's a legit player. So the Blue might have been on the short end of that one. But they got Vincent Edwards back, and he really didn't play a lot. Like, he was just there for shooting services. He was all right uh, to end things out, but yeah, nothing much. There was some chatter that Vincent Edwards would be on a summer league team. He was on a mini camp for the Warriors, uh, but he didn't actually play in Las Vegas. So I don't know if, like, he didn't get the invite or what. He's going to have a future, though. And it's not going to be at the NBA level. I'm super excited for him, though. And it's going to be a really good deal if this happens. And I think I might have said he agreed to it. It's not agreed, but it's advanced talks. Take it how you will. I would think he's going overseas, though. And it's with the Liga Basket Serie A. That's one of the premium teams in Europe. And it's with Fortuto Bologna. Hopefully I said that right. Uh, nothing's beneficial though. If he ends up there, major props to his agent though. Um, so hopefully that is what's going to go on with him. I think he's a little bit too old for the development side of things. Kind of at that point of his career where you might want to start looking overseas. And I think it would be a good time for him to do that. Final guy from this blue roster is Phil Booth. And this is an odd name. This is someone people probably didn't even hear of. Um, because he wasn't on the initial roster. He got put in in place of Chase on Randall, and it was still the same deal of just no minutes being there at the one or the two. You had Ty, you had Xavier, you had Rob, Melvin was there, and even Ryan Woolridge was above Phil Booth. So he was like the number five option, even when you want to kick Chase on Randall to the curb. Um, but he was a sweet surprise whenever he did get to play a little bit. 25 years old so he wasn't super young but I distinctly remember I think he dropped like 15 points in either his first or second game his averages were 8.7 points 2.3 rebounds and 2.2 assists though and he didn't really get to play a lot I think at 25 if you do want to check like summer league teams you probably could get that bid but could you make your way onto an NBA roster especially when you were not really a integral part of the blue team last year he decided he was going to go overseas he's going to play with belgian club Philo ostende of the bnxt league and that's going to be that for him so six foot two guards is going to be on the move 
I think for him, good idea, good business decision. I don't think the Blue are going to be that heartbroken. Probably would have been a pretty solid sharpshooter, though. So you go down this list of 14 names. It's hard to imagine who's going to be back. I'll tell you what, though. This is going to go down as one of the better G League teams we have seen in terms of who made it to the NBA, who made it on other deals, because there is just a plethora of guys who are being successful. And even for those like Antonius Cleveland, who didn't get on an NBA team after the bubble, if you're joining Illawarra, that's still a home run in my eyes. So just a lot of big, big hits here. A lot of great stuff came out of that team. Who's going to be back from the group, though? I think the only one in play is probably Rob Edwards right now. And I really, really hope that's the case. I hope he's back. I think, though, you know, the roster is crammed at guard. You get Paul Watson in, who's more of a two. Like, Josh Hall was a straight-up three. Paul Watson's playing two most of the time. So, it hurts. I mean, I really want him back. Um, Beyond that, though, I don't know who could return. Yes, there are guys like Xavier Simpson who haven't signed, went through another team's summer league, but I think them going to another summer league probably means, you know, they're gone. And for people who did join them for the summer league, like Jalen Horde or Ryan Woolridge, number one, we know Ryan is gone because he signed with Arachlis. With Jalen Horde, I don't know if an Exhibit 10 is going to cut it for him, because uh, he did perform at an NBA level when he was with the Oklahoma City Thunder. But best of luck of all uh, all these guys, all 14 of them. There's going to be a lot more coming, I guarantee it, because a lot of them are super young still. Have some question marks like where Josh Hall is going. I'll keep y'all notified. But yeah, uh, it's ridiculous. So if I'm going to tell you, you know, what I think that roster will look like. I talked about Rob Edwards. Let's just say in this hypothetical, we'll tack him onto the roster. Are there any people we know for sure that are coming to the team? Paul Watson Jr. is one of them, and Aaron Wiggins is the other. That's straight up three guys. You have to fill out, what, 12 other names here? Vic Credci, I don't know if he digs into that lineup because he's a Thunder player, but I would have to think his season starts in an OKC blue jersey. You gotta get him rehabbed. And he's six foot eight. There is just a special, special thing with these oversized guards. Poku gonna have, you know, his stage. I think Giddy's gonna be able to perform at the NBA level um, and be free to pass, do whatever. Vic Krejci, I don't think he's gonna run the offense for the Thunder um, in his rookie campaign. Probably even not for the like the next year or two, but. If he wants to be able to take strides, he's going to have to make an impact somewhere. And he's not going to get the NBA reps right away. I think he'd get G League reps instantly. So maybe like a 10 to 15 game opening from Vit. Keep him in that like showcase cup until December, like 21st. That might be the best deal you're going to find. And I think then you could look at maybe putting him back into the Thunder Arms. Outside of those four though, that's when it becomes difficult and you don't know about Rob Edwards. So if you want to look at like the summer league roster, people like Oscar De Silva are gone. Maybe Emmett Williams would be a name that I would toss in there. But a lot of the people either were just already with the team because they're rookies on rookie scale contracts 
or they're signed overseas. So I don't know, man. Uh, maybe Jalen the Q. I know I don't think he's signed yet, but he he could take the role of that like starting point guard. Charlie Brown Jr. I don't think he's gonna get his contract guaranteed. We would still technically have rights due to that two-year contract we offered him. So if he does go to the G League, the Thunder do get first dibs. But even if you add them, that's like five or six guys. So the new look OKC Blue, it's going to be a totally different system. Grant Gibbs, I'm assuming, is still going to be the aficionado there. He's going to be the coach. Um, but yeah, much different system. And hopefully that's for the better. I'll tell you what though, man, that bully ball play was really damn special. Really just f great that I was able to experience it while the games were going on. Talk about it for next season. We'll see how much coverage I do on the G League. Will be every single game. I'm not sure yet because there is going to be obviously the Thunder games going on. Schedule's a bit tighter now in comparison to last year, but maybe like some weekly updates. I'm sure I can get that to you guys. If you guys have any suggestions for G League content, make sure to let me know. You guys can hit me up at my Twitter page or at the pods at Thunderstick Pod. But other than that though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.